Good morning, everyone. First time I'd seen that video was just now. That, that was fun. Uh, that was great. Uh, good to see everyone this morning. Uh, speaking of teams and speaking of our worship teams specifically, I'm really happy to share some news with you this morning. We have been blessed to find our next worship arts minister here at Outlook. His name is Justin Vance. He will be joining our staff, and he and Tracy and their kiddos, Addison, Gabe, and Jace, will be joining our family here starting April 10th. So I'm really happy to be able to say, yeah, it's good news. I can't wait for you to meet all of them. Uh, and uh, we're just, it's an answer to prayer that, uh, that God has blessed us with Justin and his family. We're very, very glad uh, that we're going to get to add him to our staff and them to our church family. So good news to share this morning. Before we jump into the sermon, I'd love to pray though. So let's do that together. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for the beautiful ways we've been led in worship this morning. We ask God that you would uh, just turn our hearts toward your word, toward your truth. In this moment right here, Lord, no matter what our week has contained, no matter what state of mind we might have found ourselves in as we walked in, that we would stop, carve out a moment here to connect with you. Holy Spirit, use this time uh, in each heart, uh, in each mind, in each life, each soul, to do exactly what you want to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for praying with me. Speaking of prayer, writemeaprayer.com. I found this website this week. Writemeaprayer.com uses artificial intelligence to instantly do what it says. Write a prayer for you on any subject. So I decided to try it, try it out. Uh, there was a photocopier sitting next to me, so I typed the word photocopier into the prompt. It gave me this prayer, Lord, help us forgive the broken photocopier that we so often depend on. We know there are days when its only purpose is to frustrate us. Give us patience and understanding when the machine refuses to cooperate. Care for those who work in service and repair. Encourage their endeavors that each problem may be solved quickly and efficiently. I thought, wow, that's a pretty impressive little prayer for photocopiers. I never thought about praying for one of those before. And then I just had pizza the night before, and we all know how much I love pizza, so I, thought, I decided to type pizza into the prompt. You get two prayers a day on this website. So this was my second one. Heavenly Father, thank you for this delicious pizza you've blessed us with. It is one of the many wonderful gifts you've given us. It has brought us so much joy. Amen to that, right? We are grateful for the hardworking farmers and growers who tend the fields and bring us these special ingredients. Thank you for cooks, and that we appreciate the skill and artistry they put into the pizzas they make. Thank you for graciously meeting all our needs, even our cravings for pizza. So again, not a, not a bad little prayer. But as interesting as such a website can be, I can't help but feel there's something missing. What could it be, right? It's the same something that you and I may often find ourselves missing in our own hearts in lives is exactly what we're talking about today. It is engagement of our souls with God. We're starting a new series this morning, looking at some of the prayers of Jesus, uh, the prayers that Jesus prayed. We're going to learn what they teach us about prayer and about Jesus and about ourselves. And I want to begin this morning by attempting to say something. And in that saying, I want to remove any hint of religious obligation or guilt 
The kind of thing that too often accompanies a moment like this, you know, preachers and church and the Bible and all that stuff, often just sounds like a guilt trip to so many people. I want to do my best to make sure that this doesn't have a whiff of that, what I'm about to say. So let me just state it like it's the most obvious thing in the world. We need to pray. We need to pray. Now, I don't mean we should pray, right? And that most of us aren't doing it enough, which is how we might tend to feel. Preacher's talking about prayer. I'm going to feel bad. I don't do that enough. I don't mean we could pray if only we knew how to do it correctly. Preacher's talking about prayer. and I don't even know how to do that. I feel inept. That's not what I'm saying at all. I mean, you and I and every one of us need to pray like we need to breathe, like we need to eat food and drink water. We need to pray. In fact, you and I were made to pray, as a fish is made to swim and a bird to fly. Now, how can I say that? How can I say that so confidently about all of us? Because the good news of Christ and a truth found throughout the Holy Scriptures is that the God who created you also loves you and longs to do life with you. And that doing life with God, that's prayer. That's prayer. You are designed to enjoy life with God. Prayer is the inhaling and exhaling of that life. So I say again, we need to pray. Let me explain by picking up from Kate's message last Sunday. Kate delivered to us, if you weren't here, uh, I urge you to check it out online. She delivered such an excellent sermon about self-care. Just, it was so well done. I really hope you'll go and listen to it if you didn't get the chance to catch it. It's online on our website, of course, as are all our messages. But she did such a great job talking about Jesus' uh, need to unplug from the activity of ministry and ex exercise some self-care, which, of course, included prayer. One of the verses that she included and that I want to focus on today says this, Jesus would often go to some place where he could be alone and pray. This was an observation made by those who knew him best. Jesus would often go to some place where he could be alone and pray. It's a very simple statement, right? When we read of Jesus praying, we see him choosing it, seeming to need it. Jesus needed to pray. He did it often, and he made an effort to make sure it happened. And if Jesus, God in the flesh, needed to pray, that's its own divine mystery, right? How much do I need to pray? How much more is that true of me? Ever get hungry enough that the only important thing in that moment is now food, right? Maybe you've had a busy day and you, you haven't eaten much that day and you really feel your blood sugar drop or, or something like that and you just realize, man, the next thing I've got to do is find something to eat. Anyone have that moment? Sure, yeah. Or you ever get thirsty enough that you just hit that same kind of wall where you're like, the next thing I need to do, no matter what, is find some water to drink. I think I told the story a few months ago of uh, I went on a mission trip to the jungles of Panama when I was in college, and we were hiking all day to go reach some remote tribes, and, and our canteens were empty by mid-afternoon, but we still had quite a hike left. And we found a river and decided uh, we were thirsty enough that jumping in with our mouths open was the only thing to do. We were just that thirsty. 
Friends, has life taught you yet that we need God just that much? Has life taught us yet just how much you and I need God? Sometimes I wonder if this isn't one of life's main purposes, to teach us how much we need God. I think about what the psalmist wrote so many centuries ago, millennia ago, in Psalm 42. My soul thirsts for God, the living God. When can I go, the psalmist asks, when can I go and meet with God? That there's this point, just as we, you know, we might feel that blood sugar drop and we, we need a cheeseburger or we need a glass of orange juice or we need something, right? There's that point in our souls, in our lives, in which we just realize, when can I go and meet with God? I've got to stop and connect with the one who made me and who loves me and who wants to do life with me. Maybe that means I need to go to a certain place. Maybe it just means I need to stop whatever I'm doing. But I've got to meet with God. I've got to talk to God. I've got to connect with God. I've got to pray. In John chapter 7, Jesus at one point stood and it says he shouted to the crowds, Anyone who is thirsty may come to me. And anyone who believes in me may come and drink. He recognizes that we all have a spiritual thirst. Every human being does. And he's saying, man, when you hit that thirst, when you recognize that thirst, come to me. Hear him above the noise and the hustle of your life and of your mind. He's shouting to the crowds to let everyone who can hear know, come to me, he says. So if we get thirsty enough, if we get hungry enough, if life teaches us those lessons, something in us, and maybe that's you, exactly you this morning, where you realize, man, I do need to pray. I don't know exactly even what that means, but I do recognize I need to connect with the God who knows me, who loves me. Jesus himself would often go someplace where he could be alone and pray. So I'm talking this morning about following in Jesus' footsteps and carving out in our schedules, sure, but maybe even more so in our souls, in our own, the, own, the, the mindscape in which we live, carving out a space, a place to pray, to tap into the spiritual sustenance, the bread and the, the drink that we need. A pattern and a rhythm of turning and returning to a space and a place to connect with God. That could be the cab of your truck. That could be the 30 seconds of calm between class periods. That can be when the baby is finally napping. That can be right before the big meeting. It can be any time. But a moment or moments to turn and return. A space within yourself in which you stay connected with your Creator. We need to pray. We need prayer, whether we realize it or not. Even Jesus did which is something pretty wild to think about. Jesus prayed at his baptism. Jesus prayed before calling Lazarus out of the tomb, after healing people one evening, before walking on water, before choosing the 12 disciples. He prayed at the transfiguration. He prayed before feeding the 5,000. The whole chapter of John 17 is a big prayer of Jesus. We'll look at later in this series. He prayed for Peter's faith. He prayed in the garden before going to the cross. He prayed from the cross 
We'll look at those last couple types of prayers on, at our Good Friday service. Alice Matagora, in her book, How to Save the World, says this, Being a disciple of Jesus means that we know God, not just know about Him. Right? That's, in one sense, what we're talking about. This morning, the chance to get to know Him by doing life with Him, and not just know some stuff about Him. We have a relationship with Him, she says. On earth, Jesus modeled for His disciples an intimate, dependent relationship with His Heavenly Father through the rhythms of His prayer life. He would often create space to be by Himself and pray to God. We need to pray, and it isn't meant to be difficult. And that's what we want to spend some of our time now thinking about. If, I, if, if we're recognizing this morning that we need prayer the way we need breath, that we need to do life with God because we were made in His image as human beings to spend our lives enjoying being with Him, enjoying the life that He gives us, then we got to recognize this whole topic of prayer might have been laden with some pretty heavy baggage maybe in our upbringing, or maybe we have some idea that there's a certain way to do it, but it's, it's not meant to be a difficult thing. It's meant to be an enjoyable, daily, constant thing. Never as thoughtless as writemeaprayer.com, but something really accessible to us. Jesus said in Matthew 6, when you pray, go away by yourself, but like he did, shut the door behind you, and pray to your Father in private. Making a point there. One of the, one of the things I read, uh, I read into that or that I hear when I hear Jesus say that is the idea that I can do that anytime, right? I can do that anytime. Create some space, even if it's just in my own head and in my own, in my own heart, to connect with God. Some versions of that will call it in secret instead of in private or in the secret place or unseen, in the unseen place, meaning just in between, there's a space that only you and God can inhabit, and you can go there any time. Go ahead and shut the door behind you, right, and enjoy that space. It's not that this is the only way to pray. We can pray together. We're going to do that tonight. I'll talk more about that in a minute, but certainly it's a necessary way to pray, to find that place within and get there on a regular basis. Don't overcomplicate it and don't count yourself out of it as if that's just something other people know how to do. I don't think I could ever really do that. Friend, you were created to be able to enjoy life with the one who made you. Now, shortly after saying this in Matthew 6, and we read about this in Luke 11 as well, Jesus supplied his model prayer, a pattern to teach us. In Luke 11, uh, it says Jesus was praying in a certain place. And as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray. So again, we're talking about when Jesus prays. When Jesus prays, we want to pray. When Jesus prays, we want to learn how to pray. When, when Jesus prays, we realize we need to pray. If Jesus prays, we need to pray. Teach us, they said. They saw in him something they knew they needed. I'm here this morning saying we need it too. It's our deepest need. Teach me to pray, they said. And so Jesus gives them this model prayer. This then is how you should pray, he said. And it's something that some of us grew up hearing. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need. 
And forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from evil. This has come to be called the Lord's Prayer. And what I only thing I want to highlight right now about it is its simplicity, right? Its accessibility. When they said, Lord, teach us to pray, he did not give them this long, complicated theological prayer that might be hard to wrap your head around and certainly hard to remember. He gave us something that was very accessible, very open and, and usable for us. It was a user-friendly prayer, right? It was Because we're supposed to jump in and begin to pray it ourselves and make it a part of who we are. Tonight's prayer service, you heard Zach mention it in the uh, video earlier, we're having a prayer service tonight, and we're going to use this prayer as our guide. We've designed a time that we hope will be just a sweet hour of refreshment and centering for you, a chance to draw near to God, quiet our minds, and reflect. It's tonight upstairs in the student loft at 6 o'clock. I do need to clarify, just because there's been a question or two, there is no child care for tonight. So uh, if your kids uh, are old enough to enjoy a, an hour in which they can uh, be, you know, kind of enjoy a quiet time with, with us grown-ups, then, then that's, that's fine. There will be some space outside the student loft if you want to hang out with uh, little ones or one, one, one spouse or caregiver is in and another is, is out there and then you can trade off or whatever you might care to do. It's always a struggle for us to figure out when, when we should offer child care and not because we also want to make sure that uh, we let everyone, whoever's offering that child care, then uh, can't be in there in the prayer service. And so uh, we decided this time around to not offer child care. And, uh, uh, but I want to make sure everyone catches that just for your own, your own preparation for tonight. But I do hope that you can make it and uh, because we need to pray. And we just, months ago, we, Jason Wolfgang and I, our, our, our current worship leader, uh, we just wanted to put together a prayer service uh, so that we could have some time to do that as a congregation, right? Just to carve out some space to, to do one thing, to pray, and to pray together. We'll, we'll use different kind of guided ways to pray. I, I'm, I'm thinking it'll be a really nice time for you to just come and receive and, and just be led in that, in a, in a time of silence, some time of guided prayer, but a time to connect in which you can just kind of sit and receive and really hopefully leave refreshed and fulfilled in that. That's tonight at six o'clock. And um, we're doing it for one reason, because we need to pray, right? Now, here's another model of prayer that, that can be useful for us, perhaps the simplest prayer of all, is one that Christians have been praying for centuries, commonly called the Jesus Prayer. It comes from a few different places in the Gospels. In one place, Jesus is telling a story, a parable, and at one point in that parable, a, a guy kind of beats his chest and says to God in prayer, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And he is seen as someone who's humble and simple in his faith, and he comes to God in that way. Blind Bartimaeus, at another point in uh, the, the scriptures, cries out to Jesus, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And so over the centuries, Christians have crafted this short, uh, easy to remember prayer to just return to in those moments where you just want to connect with God. And you want to take that moment to dial in. And the prayer goes like this, Lord Jesus Christ, son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. It takes a 
few different places where we hear Jesus, uh, where we hear people crying out to God or to or to Christ, and turns it into this prayer: "Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner." These words have become powerful ones to meditate on and to pray to God. And we just have this desire to pray, and we we these words can really supply something for us. When I pray this prayer, I often shorten it to because I just feel like it has a nice rhythm for me. Lord Jesus, have mercy on me. Lord Jesus, have mercy on me. That when I don't know what to pray, or I'm just I'm heading into a meeting or a tough conversation, or I'm I'm just in the middle of the day and I just want to say something to God. And maybe I don't have to want to worry about exactly what to say or exactly how to say it. I'll just find myself saying, Lord Jesus, have mercy on me. And he knows what those mercies need to look like in any given moment, right? He knows who I am, a sinner. He knows who I am, someone in need of his love and grace. And he knows that I want him to be my Lord. Lord Jesus, have mercy on me. All this reminds me of a very particular prayer that Jesus once prayed. He prayed it to God the Father, of course, but also for others to hear. He was sharing a truth that I think is good for us at this moment of our learning this topic here. Jesus had been dealing with those who were opposing him, ridiculing him, rejecting him. And he was preparing his disciples to be sent out into all that. And he kind of stops and he prays this prayer. At that time, Jesus prayed, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, thank you for hiding these things from those who think themselves wise and clever and for revealing them to the childlike. Yes, Father, it pleased you to do it this way. This is a prayer that Jesus prays. And he's, he's referring to the fact that the, the world wanted to just eat those disciples alive, right? And the, and the world was coming against him and his, his teaching. And, and he, he realized he's, he's sending them out. And what he prays here tells us a lot about what we're talking about today. Prayer in our life in him. He's saying in this prayer, the way they're going to make it, his disciples. And I think that includes you and me. And the way the Father designed it. It's the way of us being dependent children. He says, man, this truth of my kingdom, you've revealed it not to people who think they've got it all together, right? And and, and we shouldn't approach prayer as if it's something that only those who've got it all together can figure out or can be good at. No. He said, no, you've revealed this to the childlike. It pleased you, Father, to do it this way. The way of the dependent child. That's how we access God. It's tax season, right? And you're being asked who you claim as a dependent. I'm glad God claims me as a dependent. I happily sign up for that, right? I am dependent on Him. So Jesus is elevating the childlike to just reach out. Tamara and I have a new niece. She's about to turn one. And we love it whenever we get to hang out with her. I realize just how much I miss having a baby around. And it's so... Uh, we all know it if we've been around a, a baby or a toddler, right? What do they do when they need something? They just reach out. They just ask for it. Sometimes they cry for it. That's okay, right? And I can't help but think that our Father in Heaven appreciates the same thing about us. If we can just turn to Him anytime and reach out. Who, what are children like? Well, among all the things children are like, they are humble and simple, available and teachable. And lovable, right? Maybe, maybe a word for all of us today is to allow ourselves to be lovable. 
to God. Maybe you don't feel very lovable. Maybe life has made you feel that way. Maybe others have made you feel that way. But just know that in God's eyes, you are totally lovable. Let that fuel a prayer or two, right? Why do we need to pray? Because we need parented. And parented well, right? We're childlike and we have a father. All of us need that no matter our age. Because we need to know again and again who we are and whose we are. We need prayer because we need God. We need God to be God. We need a God. We have the God. We don't want to do life on our own. It doesn't work very well and it's exhausting. We need to understand who God is. He's our parent whose love and care we need. He's a teacher whose guidance and wisdom we really can benefit from. He's a provider whose supply we can trust. Maybe you had great earthly parents. Maybe you had the opposite of that. Let God be the parent that we all need. Because that's who He is. And we get to be His dependent, loving, lovable children. There's a sweet development that happens. I've seen it again and again at least. I've certainly seen it in my own prayer life and my own walk with God, and I I bet many of you have too. And it kind of goes like this. We we start with just an awareness of God. Oh, okay. I I recognize that, that there is a spiritual reality. I recognize that God is real. We begin to appreciate God's presence. We might be able to even sense His goodness, whether it even just be in the sunshine or in a kind word from a friend. We begin to appreciate the fact that God does not only exist, but he's good. But then we begin to pay attention. Then we we begin to see that God is active and that he actually has thoughts about me and my life. and, And he's taking care in his own way of the details of my life. Not always in ways that I would choose, but in ways that uh, are good. And then I really just begin to abide in him. I begin to see the world as this God bathed place full of Him and His activity and presence. We pay attention, we appreciate, we are aware, but ultimately we live in that, we soak in that. It's a good place to be. The more we turn and return to God in prayer throughout the day, the more we get to, as Jesus said in John 15, abide in Him. Ruth Haley Barton writes about this, and I want to quote something she says. You might think that your woundedness or your sinfulness is the truest thing about you. Or that your giftedness, or your personality type, or your job title, or your identity as a husband or wife or mother or father somehow defines you. But check this. In reality, it is your desire for God and your capacity to reach for more of God that is the deepest essence of who you are. We need to pray. When we say that, what are we saying? We're saying, I want to know who I am. What do we see here? Who am I? I am someone who gets to experience God. Among all the other things and above them all, I get to be someone who can experience God, which is another way of saying I can pray. I need to pray. I was made to pray. We need to pray much the way a newborn is prompted to cry out after birth, right? And thus breathe and keep breathing. That's prayer. Breathe and keep breathing. No should, just need. Need desperately. Need constantly. 
And when I say we need to pray, I don't mean because we need answers to our questions, though it's nice when they come. Or because we need healing of our wombs, though we most assuredly do. I don't mean because it feels like the world is coming unglued, although it certainly can feel that way. I don't mean any of those things. I don't mean it because praying sounds like the right and religious thing to do. I just mean we need God. You and I are made to depend on Him, to draw near to God, to live with God. Friends, I know I need to live near God. Like the psalmist, when can I go and meet with God? Not perfectly and free from error. Not smoothly and without trial. Just genuinely and messily and daily near God. Let's do exactly that as we take the bread and cup this morning. If you grabbed one on your way in, I'd invite you to take it into your hand here. And I want to remind you of something that Jesus said in John Chapter 6, we think of him saying to the whole world, including you and me, that if you're thirsty, come. Elsewhere he said, I'm the bread that gives life. If you come to my table and eat, you'll never go hungry. Not spiritually. Believe in me, he says, and you'll never go thirsty. So every week we acknowledge our spiritual hunger. This is the tiniest meal any of us could ever come up with from a physical point of view, right? But spiritually, it is a buffet. Spiritually, it is a feast. So let's take and eat and remember the bread of life. And let's drink the cup and know that through him we need never thirst again. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that we can talk to you anytime, anywhere, about anything. That is prayer. And so, Lord, we thank you by your Holy Spirit that you fill us, you, you connect with us, you long to do life with us. And so, Lord, you also help us. You help us in this. You, you want more than anything to, to spend some time with us, to, to connect. You've not made it hard. You've not set up hurdles or obstacles to keep us from you. But just like it says in James, we draw near to you, you draw near to us. You're right there. So Lord, help us today, tomorrow, this week, to find moments and opportunities in which we can just realize you're right here and we can do life with you. And that is prayer. Lord, we love you so much and it's in your name we pray. Amen.